testing one, two.
All right, come on in, take a seat, please. And uh, we'll do our announcements. Get started. Good to have everybody here on a chilly Sunday night. That's it. A couple of announcements. Uh, members, well, this is this was for this morning, the check-in this morning. Uh, da, 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 yeah. We have this new system, right, for visitors and for members that you can, uh, instead of filling out a card with a pen and pencil, you can, uh, you can uh, record your attendance uh, online. Uh, and I announced that this morning. Let's go to uh, December 1st for that announcement. There we go. So uh, this Friday, December 1st, the next ladies' game day, 10 o'clock in the Titus II room, as always. Uh, also, the youth group will be going skating at the Devon Tower this Saturday. Boy, that looks like fun. Skating, this tower, ice skating, this uh, Saturday, December the 2nd, leaving the building 10.30 a.m., $10. Please bring $10 with you for uh, uh, probably for skates and things like that. Also, next Sunday for the youth group is the area-wide teen gathering. It'll be at Southern Oaks Church of Christ in Chickasha. Uh, and the group will be leaving at 3.45 in the afternoon. So be ready for that next week. And also the coats for Eastside. They're having a coat drive, a winter coat drive. Um, And the final day to be able to bring uh, coats in is next Sunday, December the 3rd. So please remember that if you have some gently used winter coats or uh, fall coats that you uh, would like to uh, donate. Uh, I believe that that's the kind of uh, clothing that uh, is uh, is greatly needed at this time of year uh, in their uh, clothing drive. Also, starting uh, in uh, December, um, as I announced this morning, there will only be one adult class on Sunday morning, one adult class on Wednesday night. Um, the uh, adult class will be here in the auditorium for all of Sunday. We're going to finish out the book of Romans, and then we're going to do uh, the book of Jude, two lessons in the interesting epistle of Jude. And John uh, Arvin is going to continue with his uh, series on the uh, Hall of Fame, you know, going through Old Testament characters and, you know, de- developing lessons from that on Wednesday nights. And then beginning in January, we will have uh, the new quarter that begins with new classes for adults and so on and so forth. Uh, I believe that's it. Uh, Brother Kirk is going to lead us in uh, prayer to begin our service tonight. And uh, Brother Titus is preaching, the title of his sermon. If he hasn't changed, uh, you've still got the same title? Have you changed the title? Oh, then I'm not. Well, I was really uh, looking forward to listening to the to the sermon entitled "The Barren Fig Tree." I thought that was a winner, but we'll see what he's got. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine, Brother Kurt. If you'll start us in worship. Before I, before we go to our Father in prayer, the opening prayer. I would like to say we do have a fellowship uh, meeting this Wednesday at 5 o'clock for anyone uh, that wants to be involved in that or have some input. You're welcome to come. We're always looking for volunteers to help out as well. Well, it's a great ministry if you'd like to serve. We're not going to overwork you, um, but uh, it's a great place to get involved if you wish to do that. If you can't make the meeting, please feel free to put any input in my mailbox or get with me, send me a text or any way. I love to hear ideas, uh, suggestions, how the last year has been or anything like that. 
just feel free to, to get with me on that. Let's go to our Father in, heaven, in prayer now. Almighty God, our Creator, our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we are able to be here this evening to worship together, to study from your word, to grow in a knowledge of your word, Father, and go out into the world strengthened and ready to be a light to those around us. Father, we ask that you be with those who are not here of our number, who are traveling for illness, whatever reason. Give them strength. May we be mindful of them to watch out for each other, to encourage one another. Father, we ask that you be with us. Continue to bless us as you have so richly. We ask now that you go with us as we enter into this worship. May we be edified, strengthened, built up to be ready to go back out into the world like this and be an example to others, to be positive, to be a light to the world that so desperately needs it, and be busy about your work, always mindful that we represent you wherever we go. In Christ, our our Savior's name we pray, amen. Start off at number 228. 228. Oh, how she loves you and me.
mics and would like to market the invitation song will be number 893. 893. Before that, if you'll be standing, we'll sing number 627. did change my title, and it wasn't because John changed his. Uh, I had done the, the barren fig tree in 2019. It was actually my second lesson I ever, I ever delivered, and I called it Dig the Fig. And so I pulled out, I pulled out that lesson, and I was, looking, I was looking in there to make sure I didn't cover things I had already covered before. And over and over, uh, I kept coming to the conclusion that we have to talk about faith. And then Marty put in an article, and his article was about faith. And so I said, okay, we're just going to have to talk about faith. But not in the way that we normally talk about it. Uh, we are going to be talking about little faith. And uh, there are different types of faith, and we have faith in different types of things. Uh, I have faith that my middle child is going, Birdie, she's going to come to my bedside between 5.30 and uh, 6.30 every morning and ask me if it's daytime yet, okay? I have, uh, we have faith that if we water our grass, it will hopefully turn green. I don't know in Oklahoma, but the idea is that we have faith that that will happen. We have faith that our cars, when we leave here, are all going to start when we get in them. We have faith that if we treat somebody nicely with respect and dignity, we will receive that in turn, 
this type of faith is based on reoccurring themes in our, themes in our lives or efficiencies that man has almost perfected. However, this isn't the type of faith that Christians are called to. Uh, there are two types of faith that, that we are called to. The first type is firm persuasion or conviction, which is based upon hearing, not upon sight or knowledge. So for the Christian, this means we have a confidence in what we hear from and read in the word of God. What has and will happen are all true, and we believe it and have confidence in its truth. That's one type of faith we're called to. And then our second type is that is, a, is what we call hope, the expectation of something to come, the future, a dearly cherished and well-grounded expectation of a desired good. For the Christian, it means not only do we have faith that God's word is true, but we have faith or expectation that the good things God has promised for us will come to fruition for his people, for the believers. The Hebrew writer combined both these definitions in Hebrews 11.1 1, when he wrote, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. However, tonight we are going to focus on that faith, but in a different way. We are going to be talking about little faith. Someone who is not adhering to the previously mentioned definitions of faith. Only Jesus used these words. He used them in five separate instances, and it was because he was uh, rebuking or, or chastising, exhorting, uh, uh, and it wasn't necessarily tearing them down, but, but reminding them. Um, and what he was actually rebuking of this wavering faith is tied to four frames of mind. Those four frames of mind that he rebuked are anxiety, fear, doubt, and remembrance. And so tonight we're going to look at these uh, instances. There's five instances, uh, but Luke repeats um, the one on anxiety. So we'll just be in Matthew. We'll start in uh, chapter 6 and we will move on. So if you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25. That is where we'll begin. The first frame of mind that the Lord rebukes of little faith is anxiety. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, and starting in chapter 5, Jesus is basically giving instruction on how a follower is to live. If we read chapter 5, it's his disciples that are there on the Mount with him. So he's, he's giving them instruction, something that's very tangible, things that you can understand. However, when we get to uh, chapter 6, verse 5, with the Lord's Prayer, the topic seems to switch towards something uh, uh, so much more than tangible actions, it's spirituality. He starts to talk about faith. Prayer and now faith in God over and in one's life has become the centerpiece of discussion. Faith in how one prays, how one fasts, how one handles money. And then Jesus ties all these together by saying, there we go. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? What are, why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Why did Jesus say that they had little faith? Is it just because they had anxiety? I mean, how many of us, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have anxieties in our everyday life? Some so extreme that, that we take medications or we go see counselors, right? Anxiety just seems to be a part of our lives and part of our, our society. Why did he say they had little faith? I think it's because they were focused on themselves for their needs. See, when you depend on yourself, life becomes full of anxiety, How am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? How will I? How will I? How will I? Right? We talked about that this morning a little bit. Me, 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 me. They they were living anxious lives. And we live anxious lives when we focus on ourselves and providing for ourselves. They were worried about groceries, clothes, their declining health, their body image. All these things, again, that we talked about this morning that are in God's control. We really don't have control over a lot of those things. He's our provider. Jesus wasn't just telling them not to worry about these things. He was telling them to change their frame of mind. He was saying those who don't believe in God live this way. He was talking about the Gentiles. They live in this way because they don't believe. Remember when you, uh, remember when you needed food and God provided quail and manna? Do you believers understand and remember the promises that God had given to you? Do you remember when you were thirsty and God provided water from a rock? Do you remember when God said he would never let you be destroyed and he'd be with you to all this time? And here we are in 2023, the Jews are alive and well. He's faithful to keep his promises. Don't you have faith that God loves and cares for you? No, you rely on yourselves And therefore, your life is full of stress and anxiety. And that is is true for me, and I'm sure it's true, true for you. As we go about our everyday lives, sometimes we don't put God first. We don't focus on him, and things become full of anxiety and stress. And Jesus' point is simple. He says to change your frame of mind. Uh, In fact, he says, therefore, do not be anxious. How easy is it to just say, oh, I'm not going to be anxious today. No anxiety for me. I'm just going to set it off to the side. You can't do that, right? It's very difficult to do. You can't just turn it off. But you can calm it. See, you can choose to calm it by having faith that God has your best interest in mind. Uh, I don't know how much anxiety like uh, an almost two-year-old can have. But I don't, if you look at my son's face, Judah, anytime he comes up to like stairs or steps or anything, he starts to get this worried look on his face. And the first thing he does, he looks over his shoulder to see if somebody's there. And what's he going to do if somebody's there to help him? He puts out his hand. And when we grab his hand, boy, he just goes for that step. You know, we, he may barely have my finger, but he's touched me now. And now he has the confidence to go on. He has put his anxiety about that step to the side. Why? 
Well, because he turned and he looked for help. He looked at the person who's going to help him in that situation. For the believer, when anxiety takes over our minds, who do we focus on to help us? See, I don't know about you, but when when anxiety comes, uh, I often look to doctors. I I need my medicine. We found out that uh, taking medicine gives me anxiety, so they took me off my anxiety medicine, but that's a whole other story. Uh, So... Uh, you'll never, you'll have a hard time finding me taking a Tylenol. So, but it's this idea: where do we look for for our comfort? Where do we place our anxiety? Where do we choose to put it? Faith in yourself is uncertain. So put your faith in God, who has never changed. Then trust. Have big faith is what we're going to call it, that He is going to take care of you. So moving on real quickly. The second type of frame of mind that Jesus rebukes as, as little faith is uh, in Matthew 8, chapter 8, 23 through 27. And this one is fear. He says again, O you of little faith, but this time the frame of mind is fear. So let's read this together. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obeyed him? So Jesus and his disciples are on a boat, and while they're on this boat, a great storm comes up, and the boat is being swamped by the waves. That means that the waves are, are so high, they're actually uh, they're going against the boat, and they're coming into it. What's the last thing you want in your boat? Water. Yeah. So I bet they're feeling a little anxiety, but they're, they're out in the middle. I bet if they, in, the, in a storm like that, if you go overboard, what's going to happen? You're going to die. All right? So they're, they're afraid. They are fearful. And these are seasoned fishermen. All right? A lot of them are. They've been in storms before. So for them to, to be uh, nervous or afraid or fearful, uh, that kind of shows you what kind of storm it is, I would say. However, what is Jesus doing in this crazy storm? He's asleep. He's taking a nap. And what do the disciples do? They go and they wake him up. I don't know about you, but the quickest way to annoy me is to wake me up during a nap. Uh, However, Jesus handles it better than I think I do sometimes. He responds to them when when they wake him up by saying, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Why do you have fear? Why would Jesus ask this? Doesn't he see what's going on around? I think there's a couple reasons. First off, he just got done talking about them having the proper faith just a couple days ago on the Sermon on the Mount. Second, if you are with me, if you believe that I'm the Son of God, do you really think I'm going to let this boat go down? Do you really believe? That'd be, that's kind of a question. I mean, I just healed Peter's mother. I, I, I just cured a guy of leprosy. You think I can't keep this boat up? And then thirdly, why are you afraid of perishing? Don't you belong to God? Don't you know what lies in store for you in death? You see, Jesus didn't say they had little faith because their faith wavered in the boat or 
or the storm, but it's because they allowed the situation to control their faith in him. They let the situation control their frame of mind, despite the fact that the power of the one who creates and dissipates storms was in the boat with them. And we do that, don't we? Especially when the storms hit us. We, we allow our fear to control how we respond to our situations. They, we allow our fear to control how we respond to God and the promises that he has put, to, put together for us and promised us. We allow our fear to affect our faith. And now our faith goes from being big faith to you of little faith. We look up and say we're dying when really, in fact, we're not dying if we belong to God. See, there is a healthy fear we're supposed to have in God. It's called respect and reverence. All right? That is the beginning of all knowledge. However, there's a fear of circumstances that we as believers and Christians are not supposed to have. This fear is the loss of control over our lives. And it's a control that, again, we've never really had to begin with. And it's easy to say. It's so much harder to do. All right? It's hard to not live in fear especially when the, the certain situations call for it. For the believer, when this type of circumstantial fear grips us, we are to change our frame of mind. We are to realize who is with us and who we belong to and the power that person has. A believer needs not fear the waves when Jesus is in our boat, and circumstances like death are welcome because we know who we belong to and where we are going. The third frame of mind that Jesus will rebuke is in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. That's again, Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, we're in a boat again, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He, Jesus, said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Again, we're in a boat, and this time Jesus isn't with him. He's up on the mountain praying. Uh, even Jesus needs a little alone time with God. So I think that's, that's something we should actually think about, uh, but we'll do another lesson on that. The fourth watch of the night. This is between 3 and 6 a.m. Um, they, they see something, somebody walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. Uh, Jesus immediately, knowing their thoughts, says it's me and that they shouldn't fear. All right? Peter responds that if it really is you, Jesus, he says, Lord, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. 
Peter gets on out of the boat, walks on the water to Jesus, and then begins to sink when he sees the wind. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, of instances in my life where I, where I sank, but I remember uh, when I was in plumbing, uh, when, especially this time of year with snow and ice and water and things like that, when you're going to work on a new construction house, they don't have a, a driveways a lot of times or really any types of roads, and so you've got to carry your stuff. And if you walk really carefully, you keep your feet flat, and you walk real fast, you can kind of walk over the mud without falling into it. But if you stop, you're going to lose your shoes, okay? You're gonna, you, you hope your buddies there with you to help pull you out. Um, and I, I think about it that way is, is if Peter got out and he was walking towards Jesus and he's not really seeing the wind and the waves behind him, he's just focused on getting to the goal. And so he's just getting out there. But once he stops and, and, he, and he realizes what's happening, boy, he realizes where he's really at. He realized the situation that he's really in, and he starts to sink. Did Jesus say that Peter had little faith because he saw the waves and the wind and became afraid? No, no. He says specifically it's because Peter doubted. What did Peter doubt in? You see, despite Peter's fear, he got out of the boat. He walked on water when Jesus commanded him to. We call that faith. I'd call that big faith. His fault was in doubting that Jesus would, would keep him on top of the water. That, that's where he really started to doubt. He, his, uh, uh, his fault was in doubting Jesus' intentions for him. Jesus didn't call Peter out there so that he could drown. All right? That's not why Peter called him out there, but Peter thought he was going to drown. Therefore, he doubted the Lord's intentions for him in that moment. What causes us to doubt Jesus' intentions for us? Most often, I truly believe it's the storms that we are in. We're coming back to storms. A lot of bad things, a lot of storms, a lot of negative experiences cause us to, to look at God and Jesus and say, you didn't really have the best intention for me. Or something negative happens in my life, and we're going to blame you. You did this. We doubt Jesus' working in us because we are focused on the storm instead of who we're with in the storm. And it's hard not to look around uh, and doubt when we're in the storm, but we need to have faith that Jesus has the best intentions for us and for those who step out in faith in a storm to follow him. We just got to change our frame of mind in the moment and keep our faith in him when we take those first steps. And finally, the fourth frame of mind is remembrance. In Matthew 16, 5 through 12, Jesus warns his disciples about the leaven or teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We'll read that together. Again, that's Matthew 16, 5 through 12. When disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to, to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they, this is the disciples, began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered, or the seven loaves for the four thousand, 
and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, if you're not sure, leaven is the stuff that makes bread rise, or we can look at it this way. It's the stuff that brings flour to maturity. All right? The disciples, not understanding, thought Jesus was talking about physical bread, and they started talking among themselves, saying they brought no bread. And Jesus responds to them by telling them that they have little faith because they're talking about physical bread when he really meant teaching, spiritual. And Jesus calls out their faith because in all this time, how has Jesus been talking? How has he been teaching? He's been teaching in parables. And so when he says, when he makes a statement like this, you can assume that a teacher would expect you to pick that up. You'd be looking for the deeper meaning. When he makes a statement, he is using the leaven, that which makes bread reach its mature state, as a metaphor. And he is saying, be careful at what teachings you choose to become spiritually mature on. He then calls him to remember that when he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, it wasn't about how many loaves they had when he went to feed them. If that was the case, uh, you know, only five or seven people would have been eaten. No. It was about in whose name the bread was blessed. It was about in whose name uh, that the people were there. They didn't come to Jesus to be fed. They came to Jesus to consume the word of God. And in doing so, they got actual physical food because they had been there so long. In fact, you could even call it a sacrifice with how long they had been there. (laughs) Like the disciples, Jesus calls us to remember the things that God has done and then learn from those things that God has shown us and then to actually put them into action, either in our lives or in our remembrance or, or our interactions with others. The disciples had to be warned about the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees because the Pharisees and Sadducees were not glorifying God in their teachings. Their message was pointing people to them, not to God. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, there's a, what do you call it, a content creator I, fo- I follow. Uh, he's, his uh, title is The Holy Nope. And... <laughs> Anyways, long story short, he gets out his Bible and then he shows a clip of people who are uh, taking things way out of context. And then he closes, uh, you know, it flashes back to him and he closes his Bible and goes, nope. Uh, And it's this idea that we really need to be on guard about the teachings that we're consuming. And for those of us who are teaching, we got to be really careful about what we're presenting. And if we do make a mistake, we got to we got to fix it. We got to admit when we've perhaps misinterpreted something um, or any kind of mistake. We don't want to lead anyone astray, right? Jesus was calling the disciples and in turn is calling us to remember that it's not about the bread. It's about what yeast is being used to make the bread. It's about who we decide to and what we decide to depend on for our spiritual maturity. And that should always be the word of God. Always the word of God. 
If, if the only thing that you have to say when someone asks you a question about the Bible is my preacher said, you're not spending enough time in the Word. All right? And so what? Why did we, why did we bring up these four frames of mind that Jesus spoke about in us lacking faith? Well, I, uh, again, it's an anxiety, fear, doubt, and remembrance. I really wanted to bring it up because during this time of year, all these things are very high for everyone. There are people who are going through storms who don't like this type of season. There are people who love this type of season, and they're going through crazy anxieties. Uh, there are people who may even be doing this for the first time, hosting people at your house or traveling, and you're, you're full of fear, or you're about to have... You, you live a different life and you're going to get together with your family and it causes tension and you're starting and you may doubt where you're at or if this is even the right thing for you to be doing. I really want us to take these three uh, simple things as Christians um, and I want us to take these and, and see if we can change our mind about these four frames of mind. So there's three things to remember and the first one is our reactive frame of mind is circumstantial. Our ongoing frame of mind is a choice. And what I mean by that is your circumstances are going to differ and your first reaction is going to be the frame of mind you are in. But you don't have to stay there. You can make the choice to change your frame of mind, change your outlook on the situation. Jesus has shown us in these Four interactions that keeping your faith in God and in Him is very much a choice. And sometimes we have to force ourselves to keep our faith in the moment, even if it goes against our initial nature as human beings. So I encourage you to identify the anxiety, the fear, uh, or doubt, or lack of remembrance of what God has done for you and see it for what it is. Lack of faith, little faith, and make the choice to put it in God's hands. Sometimes we have to make a conscious choice. Sometimes we have to make a decision to have what, what I'm calling big faith. The second thing I'd like you to remember is we don't, we don't want to allow our storms to let us question Jesus' intentions in our lives. We don't always see or understand Jesus' intentions in our storms. We have to make the conscious choice, however, in those times to keep our eyes locked on who is with us in those storms. Even if we don't understand it, we know that Jesus has our best interest in mind. And if we don't understand it, that's okay. We're not called to understand everything. We're called to follow. When we choose to follow Jesus, we have to realize he is with us in the good and in the bad. And his words apply in all situations. So please don't let your situation determine what you think Jesus wants for you. Have faith that he has the best intention for you in whatever measure of life you're in. And finally, count your blessings. Literally. All right. I don't mean uh, I don't mean uh, like what John had talked about this morning, where where it's prideful. We we enjoy our things, and that's where we find our identity in. But really, count your blessings literally. Remember all the wonderful ways that God has worked in your life. 
Again, it's easy to put focus on the physical things or to focus on what's not going right at the time. But remember the way that your life changed and the peace that came over you when you obeyed the gospel and were baptized. I, I don't know about you, but man, that feeling of coming up out of that water as a new creature and I could start my life all over again. Boy, that's the greatest gift. Remember the people that God put in your life that help you draw near to him. For me, it's the church. Um, it's my kids. My whole life changed when I had kids. I started reading my Bible seriously. There's not a day that goes by that I don't look at Fawn and I say, if it wouldn't have been for you, I might be dead in a ditch somewhere. I am so thankful for the people God has put in my life. Uh, the teens, good night. The way I study and the way I where I was at to where I'm at now, and I hope to continue to grow, well, I don't want to let any of them down. I don't want to teach them anything wrong. I want to, want to do the best that I can. I'm so thankful that they're in my lives. Each and every one of you has a special place in my life. Remember the people that God put in your life that help you draw near to him. Remember the Bible studies you did with your mom and dad. There's nothing too small to give God the credit for. We talked about giving God credit this morning. Give him the credit for all the great things that have happened in your life. Count your blessings. I promise you, when you start counting even the little things, your blessings are going to far outweigh the negative things that are going on in your life. They might not be as big as the negative things, but I bet you you have more blessings than you do negative things going on. Remember the home, the food, the clothes, the cars, whatever it is, but mostly remember the sacrifice that God gave for us. Because as believers, that is one of the greatest things that we can remember. In fact, we're called to do it every week. That's how important it is. Remember what God has done for you. So in conclusion, as we close, I'd like to ask you one, what I believe to be a simple question. Are your circumstances controlling your big faith? Are you allowing your circumstances to control how you see and view God, how you act with him, how you act with his church? If so, the choice is yours to make, and you, you, you're going to make one. You're either going to do it or you're not. So make the choice to restore your faith in, in Christ, in God. Only you can do it. However, the church is here to help you restore it. Let your brothers and sisters help you put things into perspective. One of the greatest things I think about the church is whenever I'm feeling down, I can call somebody and, or, or I can talk to somebody, and, and they're going to be like, oh, but look at all these things over here. Look at all these good things. I'm like, ah, oh, be quiet. Let me, let me wallow in my self-pity, would you? <laughs> There's so many good things that God has blessed us with, the church being one of them. So let's bear the burdens together. Let's help each other get back to full faith in God whenever these circumstances come. Perhaps these four frames of mind control your life and you're not a Christian and you would like to quit living every day like you're not in control. That's a decision, again, you're going to have to make. Nobody can make it for you. But God is waiting for you to put your faith in him. And so whatever your need is, please come forward or grab somebody uh, let us pray for you, let us talk with you, let us take you out for a burger, whatever it, it takes. 
Let us help restore your big faith in God as we stand and as we sing. Thank you for that lesson, Titus. We all are going to face situations every day. It's always it's a good reminder to how we should face them. So thank you. Uh, we have an online viewer that has asked for prayers for her friend. The online viewer, uh, Marone, has asked us to pray for her friend, Carla Hale, uh, and her family. Uh, Carla's 13-year-old son died on Thanksgiving. Uh, so we don't know Carla, but we don't do know, can imagine what she's going through. We have a card from Philip. He asked us to continue to pray for him for good health, that he continues that, and uh, uh, if he's done anything to anyone, he asked for forgiveness. Uh, just wanted to remind us uh, there were several cards this morning that we pray about uh, one that uh, I keep thinking about is uh, Bob's granddaughter um, Karen looked up that disease that she had which I can't pronounce or even think about 
it's very rare if you looked it up and bone disease of uh, they don't know if there's a cure for it so they're going all the way to Maryland so we need to remember her I think especially shall we pray our Heavenly Father we come to you uh, looking to you for help sometimes Father when things when the storms of life are hailing against us Father, we ask you to be with um, uh, Carla Hale and her family as they go through this uh, tragic, devastating, devastating time in their life and loss of a young loved one, son. We ask you to be with her and her family and ask for strength and, and peace and comfort to, to be with her uh, through these trying times, to be with her that that she knows that you care, that you're there, and that you can help. Father, we ask you to be with Philip and, and his health as he struggles sometimes and ask you to bless him. And Father, we ask you to be with um, Bob's granddaughter that uh, they'll be able to help her, that they'll be able to find something to to help what she has. Um, oh, Father, we all uh, want good health. Every one of us, Father, we, we want the health that you have blessed us with. And uh, at times in our life when there was uh, nothing wrong and that we felt good, that's such a wonderful blessing, and we desire that. But, Father, we ask you to be with us to know that storms in our life come. Sometimes we go through valleys. And at that valley, Father, we never come out of it. We ask you, Father, to be with us, to help us remember that not to doubt any of your promises, that they're sure and that uh, we'll reap one day. Help us, Father, to have the courage and the strength in those times. Help us to remember that, that it's not you, it's Satan who wars against us so often in our lives. So help us, Father, to look to you. Uh, try to not focus on the circumstances or on the wickedness, but, but to focus on you who have made all the promises that you grant us life and, and eternity with you, these things that really matter. Father, help us to have faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you would be standing, uh, if there's any here that were unable to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, uh, we will be serving that in the Titus 2 room. It's in the uh, southwest corner of the building. If you uh, just go out either either door and head that way, there's someone there to serve you. Uh, while they're doing that, we'll sing number 835.
Savior, grant me rest and peace. Let